Brendan Lowry. Rashad, how are you? In a world. <laughs> uh, man, you should pursue that. Voiceovers? I would love that. Speaking of voiceovers, gonna show face, right? No, if that's okay. <laughs> yeah, I, I get it's like it's so funny. It's like just like talking to the void, but you know, I totally get that though. I'll be able to like stand up, walk around if I need to. <laughs> uh, how are you? How are you feeling? I'm pretty good, man. How are you? Good, good. I hope like you're not nervous. No, no, you put me, you put me at ease. My my espresso is kicking in. I had a good week. That's great that you had a good week too. Like, I had a good week as well. I also broke caffeine. I I just had a coffee. I don't I don't drink coffee anymore. I I usually drink matcha, but once in a while I'll break into coffee. And it's funny the baristas that I know they're like, "Is that your vice?" And I'm just like, "Yeah, I'll drink coffee once in a while." And they're like, "Ooh, on the edge." <laughs> Oh, they're like, are you okay? Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So um, I'm caffeinated. I'm glad that you are too, because you had a good week. It's it's only up from here. Absolutely, man. Absolutely. And you're also back from. You're always traveling, so this time you're back from Vegas. Yeah, I was in Vegas for about a week, um, for for a client and. Yeah, I got back a couple of days ago. Um, but yeah, I feel like I haven't. I don't know. I'm, I'm. I'm very. I'm very committed to my routines and my patterns because when I break those routines and patterns, I'm kind of. Um, or no, not kind of. I'm very, very chaotic. So while I love to travel, I've noticed that like, yeah, it's very difficult for me to kind of go back from traveling to jumping back into my normal routine. So, um, but I did a pretty good job of it this week. I've started to figure out ways to like. You know, as soon as I get home, I do certain things to sort of set me up for success the next day. Like a reset. Exactly. Yeah. Like something as simple as, um, and maybe this is what normal humans do, but as soon as I get home, I unpack my suitcase and my backpack completely. Like it's like a rule that I have now because otherwise it bleeds into the next day and then I'm scrambling when I get up and then it's, you know, then I'm procrastinating. So I have to like create those sort of, rules and rituals for myself to make sure that I like stay on track and I don't yeah my brain doesn't get too chaotic that's good some people when they travel and they get back they don't unpack and then they go hang out with their friends it's like weeks later they're like yeah I still haven't unpacked my suitcase yeah exactly then how do you change (laughs) I just feel like I just feel like all my stuff is like in my suitcase I I do have a lot of clothes, but like my core clothes would be in the suitcase. Yeah, that's actually part of it. It's like, that's probably where the urge to, uh, or the the necessity to do that came from. It's like, yeah, a couple of days later, I'm like, I have no clean clothes because I, I don't have that many clothes. I wear like three outfits. Um, so that's, that's probably partially why that's so important for me. I mean, when we met up, we met up in, in Venice and when we met up for the first time, which is... So bizarre because I feel like we have obviously crossed paths so many times in our Philly lives. We meet up, you're wearing you're wearing an outfit that's like cozy and comfortable. So I feel like when I look at you, I feel comfortable too as well. And so we're just 
relaxing and just saying what needs to be said but not in like a bad way or anything like that we're just like unloading like our past and we're just like understanding each other a lot well i love that man yeah i mean that's that isn't always my goal but it's it's good to know that it makes people comfortable um that that was definitely one of my three outfits and i i can reflect on this because you you took a photo of me and yeah it's an all cap study black jeans and converses so now that i'm thinking about it i have three outfits but i pretty much wear the same pair of shoes and the same pants so i really have like three different hoodies and two of them are all cap studies so yeah that's pretty much my uh my wardrobe and that's to say that you know shout out to saeed we still have philly like always in the back of our heads Absolutely. It's so, it's so funny because, you know, once a week, because I, because I wear all caps so often, once a week, I have somebody ask me, you know, who designed, um, who designed the hoodie that I'm wearing. And so it's, yeah, it's really cool that I've, you know, traveled to this different part of the country and I'm still able to, I don't know, acknowledge and like recognize, um, yeah, one of my favorite artists from, from the East coast. So it's kind of like, yeah, it's a special thing. And I guess that's the point of, for me, like the point of like, you know, I wouldn't even call it fashion, but just it's it's kind of, it's awesome to be able to talk about one of your favorite artists and the hoodie is sort of the vehicle like for that conversation. Saeed does, you know, I almost feel silly wearing uh, their clothing because I don't feel like I'm cool enough. And I know that's absurd and that's, <laughs> would probably hate to hear that because that's not you know that's not his mission with the type of brand that he's creating you know the reason I wear that merch is you know a lot of it is just because of the messaging and the way that it makes me feel and the things that it evokes so the fact that I'm able to then share that with people and like direct them to that brand and then they're going to feel similar things and be inspired from it like yeah it's pretty wonderful it never gets old the story yeah. and to share with everyone that you know, you come across, they'll always ask and you'll always tell. Absolutely. We're not, we're not gatekeepers over here. I'm just realizing um, how awesome it is that your name backwards, like sounds really cool. Desar, right? I'm looking at my name and I'm doing that same exercise and like mad nerve sounds horrible. I just, I'm sorry, I just couldn't stop thinking about that as I'm looking at our names on the screen. I'm like, man, my name does not sound cool backwards. At all. <laughs> did you, did you figure that out now that Desire is Rashad backwards or did you know that from before? I knew that from before. I think we did talk about it, but when we first met, that's when you figured it out or it was just like, because sometimes people, when they when they look at it right away, they they can tell, but those that can't, they ask me what it means. So it the perception and people's minds when they like look at this, it's different. It was a case study for obviously the past 10 years, but it's good to see that you were on the other side. Yeah, I just I often scramble like letters and numbers, just I don't want to call it a hobby, but it's just like when I'm bored or I'm just you know, multiple times per day, whenever I see a word or numbers, I just sort of like scramble them for some reason. So I think when I saw your name, you know, just through Instagram and like clicking around and then saw um, Desar, 
I kind of, it just like kind of clicked because I naturally kind of scramble things. And I was like, oh, I love that. And now, but now is the first time that I'm, I'm doing that with my name, which is, which is funny. And it sounds awful. <laughs> it sounds foreign. We love it though. Rashad and this is where many hats presented by Josiah where we talk about your main gig then we talk about your side hustle you can check out all the episodes of the wear many hats podcast on all platforms and at wearmanyhats.com WMH and Josiah is made possible by listeners like you thank you Brendan Lowry is the founder and creative director of Rory Creative Agency in which helps brands from all over the planet do cool things on the internet and sometimes in the real world some of his projects include Sound of Philadelphia, Draw to Action, and Open 3. Brendan runs the IG Peopledelphia, where it's things that people do in Philadelphia, if you didn't put two together. I remember Brendan from when I saw him in, come into the coffee shops I worked at in Philly, but I've heard of his name and worked through friend and guest of the show, Marissa Lee and friend Jesse Fox. I linked up with Brendan in Venice at a coffee shop, how fitting, and not Muscle Beach, even though I would have loved to get some reps in. Please welcome Brendan Lowry to Wear Many Hats. Hey, Rashad, how are you? Good. It's so great to finally have you on. Yes, man, I'm thrilled. Thanks for for having me. Um, I've been, I've been, um, ever since you reached out, I started to listen to all the past episodes and, um, yeah, I'm just like, it just feels really cool to be in a space where so many creatives that I look up to and admire have like had conversations in that same space. So yeah, I'm really appreciative. Yeah. And we have like friends and friends and friends adjacent, like Ian Shiver, Saeed Ferguson, Self-Aware Studio, Mercifully, everyone has just been like saying, oh, when are you going to get Brendan on? And that makes me so flattered. That's so cool. And we we finally got you. Finally here. To meet you in Venice and also for the first time, it's kind of interesting because we're now on two separate sides. Like I'm all the way on the East Coast, you're on the West Coast. We're not in Philly anymore. How does this feel? You know, it feels, it's been interesting. I feel like my life, since I moved to Los Angeles, my life has improved in a lot of ways um, because of like the routines that I've been getting into, you know, the weather, but there definitely are some things that I miss about Philadelphia in terms of just like the community. And I haven't yet found that out here. Um, so yeah, so I miss that community, but I do think that part of my motive for moving out here was to sort of like challenge myself into yeah, finding new communities and like challenging myself creatively and trying some things that um, I haven't tried before. So, you know, there's a little bit of, um, yeah, I miss Philadelphia in a lot of ways, but I'm also really excited about 
what I've been able to do out here so far and um, some stuff that's hopefully going to come together in the future. So all in all, feels it feels good. And Philadelphia will always be home. And um, I'm sure that I'll you know be back there at some point permanently. Permanently. So you do miss it. So do I. You plan on coming back. Would you do the whole like, you know, everyone's buying property right now? I mean, that would be amazing if I could, if I could afford that and, and have that type of lifestyle, that would be, that'd be totally ideal. Uh, <laughs> but it's also, I don't know, man, the way that I felt about my life five years ago is so different than the way I feel about my life right now. So, you know, I can say these things about where I want to be and what I want to be doing. But one thing I've learned is that I hope that five years from now, I actually feel so different than you know the way that I feel now because that means that I've had so many different experiences and I've taken a new knowledge and you know I just see the world in a very different way so yeah it's really hard to say what I want to be doing five ten years from now um, and I hope that however I feel now will actually be very different if that makes sense that makes perfect sense I mean it's all about how you feel I you feel happy you I don't want to say that you feel happier but like right now you feel happy to be in LA right now, like mental health is a huge, plays a huge role in your life. Yeah. And I think with, you know, with COVID, you know, with COVID, I definitely went into a dark place and I was in a pretty bad place. Um, and I think a big part of that was, you know, missing that community and that in-person interaction. I mean, I was getting coffee with you know either friends or new people at least once a day like that was always part of my routine I usually like to start in the morning like that was just a great way for me to start my day it forced me to kind of like get up start my day have like really positive energy with that exchange with like another person and it just set me up for like a really good day and so I think COVID I lost that and then you know getting back into that routine just wasn't as easy and I'm not saying that like, you know, I needed a move to the West Coast in order to sort of like get back to um, to that routine. But, you know, location, a shift in location definitely forces new patterns and new routines. So I think it's been really beneficial for me in that way. And um, yeah, so so I'm definitely feeling sorry. My, my dog may interrupt us a few times during this. Um, but yeah, I feel really positive. Did you always have your dog? Because... You know, a lot of people during that time were either getting married, getting a pet, getting divorced. So I had Winona pre-COVID. Okay, cool. And she's my she's my best friend. She's my uh yeah, she's a little creature. She changed my life. I actually never had a dog before. I thought it was so strange. Like when I would see people like, you know, letting their dogs kiss them. And the way that they would talk to their dog as if it was a baby, I just thought it was so wild. And then really I, across this, I came across this article about um, this person who basically like overcame their depression and like all these mental health issues after they got a dog because it forced them to get into new routines. It forced them to, you know, get outside. And um, that then led me down a journey of just like doing research on like the relationship of humans and animals over the past you know like 200 years right and then I realized like it's actually not crazy at all and it's like pretty wild and special that 
Like I look at her now and sometimes I'm just like, wow, there's this like four legged creature like living in my home with me and we love each other and we don't even speak the same language. So I, I did a I did a huge 180 on my understanding and appreciation of uh, the relationship between humans and animals. I was always wondering that same exact thing too. I don't have a dog, but I do hope to have a dog later in life. I miss having a cat. That was also pretty chill too. We're all animal people. And I just think that it's something that like you never, if you don't have it, you're, you're always wondering, right? Like we don't know what it's like to have a baby, but once you have a baby, it's like a whole, you know, changes your life. Yeah. The whole 180, like you said, uh, obviously your life is going to completely change hopefully for the better, of course. Um, you said that you read an article about these like human behaviors. Do you read a lot of articles? I would say that I listen to more podcasts than I do articles. Um, so I do listen to a lot of podcasts. And I feel like recently it's been just like starting to really understand I don't know, like diving deeper into like philosophy, capitalism, technology, um, all of these topics that I think are, I don't know, like very, very, um, they, they're, they're woven into all of the work that I do. And I'm trying to kind of like zoom out and understand uh, just the world a little bit, a little bit more. So, so yeah, I listen to a lot of podcasts. I probably listen to two or three a day, whether that's, you know, while walking in the morning or even I'm usually listening to a podcast as I go to sleep at night. Um, so wow. yeah, I listen to a lot of podcasts. Even going to sleep. Yeah. Are you, so there's like obviously a million podcasts out there. Are you listening to like an ASMR podcast or a sleep podcast or like actually you're just trying to also learn more before you go to bed? Probably be dreaming. Yeah, I mean it's it's not ASMR, but I I typically um like the type of podcast that I listen to before bed is usually like a one-on-one conversation. So like a Lex Friedman podcast where they're talking about like philosophy or AI, um, something that allows me to like, I don't know, think a little bit creatively. And it it forces my mind to like not think about things that stress me out because it's bigger picture. Um, yeah. So that's that's usually like really calming for me. Would you say that you get stressed out a lot? Probably. Yeah. I feel like on the day to day, but I'm getting better about it. I just think that I... I tend to, yeah, when a challenge comes up, I tend to like panic as opposed to like taking a few breaths and figuring out, okay, like what are the first, what are the three steps that I need to take right now in order to like make this um, digestible? So I'm getting better at that. That's good. Usually people like myself are all for the thrill and I'm into that kind of stress, but sometimes like, at the end of honestly anything I do it's like it's not that serious at the end of the day we're like not saving lives but it kind of sometimes feels like we are but I I try to like manage my stress levels and like anxiety and 
do all these types of exercises that will just make things a lot calming. And I mean, you're in LA. I feel like there's a lot of different things that people do to calm themselves, you know, whether it's like taking some type of medicine or like CBD or, you know, doing all the woo-woo stuff that they need to do. I mean, I'm doing the same thing, but on the East Coast, you know, I meditate a lot as well. I I try to like, I, I talk to a lot of friends. I'm a phone talker. Clearly I have a podcast, so I obviously talk a lot. And I don't know, it's managing stress right now is one of the things that I can sort of manage right now in this real time. I don't know what's going to happen in the future, but it seems like you have been working on it and it shows. Yeah, I just think the times that we live in right now, it's just like the amount of information that we consume on a daily basis is just so unnatural. Right. Like DNA was not made to have um, all of the, like it just, and on a normal day, the amount of information that we need to process, but also share on a daily basis is just crazy. And so I'm trying to find ways to like limit the amount of like, not necessarily the amount of information, but the variety of information, right? Like I, I don't, I don't think listening to 12 hours of, of a podcast in a day is necessarily detrimental, but listening to a podcast, answering, you know, look, reading 100 different emails that are about a hundred different things. Um, you know, having four friends text you about something, um, turning on the TV and hearing about the news. Like there's just so many forms of information that are coming into our brain. And um, yeah, that just creates creates a lot of stress. So I think that, yeah, I'm trying to find ways to like limit that information. And I think like the biggest one of the biggest culprits of that is just like our iPhone. Right. So when you think about it, every time we swipe up and unlock that phone, there are those little red circles just like beckoning at us. Um, and there are those little like signals and patterns that we've just taken for granted and have sort of just, you know, cemented themselves in our life. And um, yeah, I'm trying to find ways to like ignore those so they don't pull me in. <laughs> What's your screen time looking like? Oh man, I haven't looked. I haven't looked in so long, um, but I should, right? But it's, it's almost like a fear. It's like, oh, I don't want to admit how long I've been on my phone. I think the other challenge is that a lot of, I do a lot of work on my phone. So right. one thing I've been considering is just getting a second phone to sort of separate the two um, because they've been so connected for so long. And I'm tr- I want to, I want to do a better job of separating my work and my personal life. Would you say that with all the knowledge that's out there in the world that you have stumbled across like some type of misinformation you had to double check? Hmm. That's a good question. I feel like I, you know what, here's actually a really interesting example. Um, This is very recent. And it was kind of one of those moments where I like stopped myself and was like, whoa. Um, so I was, I recently watched the Harry and Meghan Netflix special, which is like a documentary about their life and their sort of their exit from um, the royal family. Royal family. And, you know, the entire documentary was about how the press and, and you know, um, 
bots and all of these things sort of created this illusion of how, you know, how bad they were as people. Right. And it was eye opening because it's not that I ever thought that they were bad people, but I never really understood the trauma and the seriousness of it. So it was very like eye opening and I was inspired and I, you know, I, I now I'm following them much more closely and appreciating the work that they're doing. And so <laughs> I was after we, after I finished the series, I Googled their names to try and figure out what other content they were creating. Right. They are co-producing a series on Netflix. Um, I can't remember the name of the series where they're, you know, they're interviewing other leaders and each episode is about a different leader. And the first thing I do whenever I'm trying to figure out if I want to watch any series is I look at the Rotten Tomatoes scores. Always. And so I looked at the Rotten Tomatoes page. There wasn't yet, um, you know, kind of the, the critic scores, but the user scores were there and the mm -hmm. rating was 18%. And my initial reaction was like, wow, I'm not going to watch that. That sucks. Like that, it seems like they didn't do a good job. And for yeah. some reason, I wanted to scroll down and look into the comments. And as I started looking into the comments, I realized that there were 1500 user comments which i've never seen that amount of organic user comments on a rotten tomatoes rating like people just don't have active accounts on rotten tomatoes or the time right and so i clicked started clicking through to all of these users and every single user was a fake account that had commented <laughs> and rated and rated negatively about this series and the harry and megan netflix series so I was like, holy shit, like I almost didn't watch this series just by simply looking at that review number and without digging deeper. So I'd like to think that like I I know these things, but like, you know, minutes after watching this entire documentary about how, you know, things can be manipulated on the Internet, I was almost manipulated. Um, so, yeah, so it's kind of scary that I would consider myself very aware and yet. Yeah, I almost got, I almost got tricked. You almost got tricked. It's, it, it's so bizarre because there's just so much bots now. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's ridiculous, and I, I don't know how that's going to be solved. Um, it's kind of scary, but we, yeah, I guess we'll, I guess we'll see. I came across. Essence always does this like insane sale, like every season, and when people go to the comments they they always in cap say like where is my so-and-so like where's my where's my package and i realize now it's a lot of bots and then and like an actual real user would be like i don't know what you guys are talking about i just got mine like two days <laughs> it's kind of insane like me people are just messing with people now yeah, messing with brands yeah. messing with everyone it's ridiculous and it's creating i mean the biggest you know, Facebook is the biggest, um, I think, platform for this. And it's it's proven, I mean, during the election, all the culture wars that are created via Facebook. Um, yeah, it's really scary. I mean, there was, you know, there's a specific protest that was going on like two years ago that it turned out that Russian, you know, Russia had basically created two separate Facebook pages for a protest. One that was like, you know, for the left and one that was for the right in this in this town. And um, yeah, it created this massive, like this massive uh, unrest based on these events that someone from an entirely different country created. Um, so like, it's kind of scary thinking about what that eventually will turn into, especially right. when all these platforms are being controlled by, you know, one or two big players. Like, 
Facebook. I mean, there's just, there's a lot of control um, by, you know, by a billionaire and who doesn't have the world's best interests in mind. Have you ever lost uh, someone you knew to some type of conspiracy theory? I have not. And I, I can only imagine what that's like. I've, I've seen documentaries where, where people have lost family members and it's, yeah, I've never been in that situation, but seeing someone that lost, I can only imagine how like helpless that may, that may feel. Have you, have you had to experience that? I have not, but recently my brother came and visited me and he told me that his one friend, he, he didn't speak to one of his good friends in a couple of years because she got sucked into Q, QAnon. <laughs> And now they like met up because she broke up with the dude that got her into QAnon. And I think she's obviously been seeing help, but I don't know if there's like type of like, there's like a type of rehab for like conspiracy theories. If there isn't there eventually, there eventually will be because all this misinformation is only going to get worse. I do used to, judge people i used to be hateful i used to think like gosh like how dumb are these people and they're idiots um and that probably like two or three years ago especially during like the biden trump election i was very i found myself being very angry and hateful especially on twitter you know just like spouting about my political opinions and beliefs and um you know denouncing the other side and i don't know over the past few years i just started to realize that like they actually think they're right. You know, they're not, you know, some of them are, are like, you know, and even friends that I have, um, you know, people think that they're right. And, and a lot of that is just coming from misinformation that they're receiving from these platforms that haven't built the guardrails and like the features necessary to keep misinformation at bay. So I just think a lot of the times it's not even their fault and it's so out of their control. Um, and it has a lot to do with, yeah, the context that they're in, trauma from their life, um, the need to feel connected to something. So I find myself being a little bit more empathetic. Right. I do find when I enter conversations with that empathy, as opposed to um, the anger and judgment that, you know, I'm not going to change their mind, but I find myself being able to inch people along um, maybe in a, in a bit of a better way. And that that's the same for me too, for, for views and opinions that I've had um that you know were incorrect like when people approach me with empathy and acknowledge that like hey i i know that you have this opinion but like here's some information on why that may be incorrect or why it's outdated um that has always worked for me and that's always helped in opening my mind so i try to approach other people in that way too that's good that's good you're always saying two sides of the coin Trying to, yeah. And on you know, it's never it's never that simple. Um, because we, we just constantly are building bias and context from our own experience. But the more that we can like reflect on that, I think the better. It's all about curbing your ego and just like learning to open, be open more and hearing other people's stories. But then sometimes like <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if I'll join your cult, you know, like, are you in the cults? <laughs> I actually remember, and this is like a moment that, you know, I look back on that, like truly changed my life. Um, and this all comes from that type of interaction. So this was during the, um, the 
you know, the the protests and reactions from during the George Floyd moment. And, you know, through Peopledelphia, I posted a photo of a police officer. And, and keep in mind, I'm so, it, it's very embarrassing to share this because my viewpoint now is so dramatically different than what it was at that point. But I think it's 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 helpful and important to kind of share the process. But I posted a photo of a police officer handing water bottles out to protesters. Mm. And, you know, um, it was actually Shannon Maldonado from Yowie. She DM'd me and was like, hey, like, this isn't cool. And she, you know, elaborated on, you know, why it wasn't why it wasn't cool and kind of like asked me if I had even been down to the protests, which I hadn't which I hadn't. Right. So I had this moment of like, first my ego kicks in of like, well, and then I reflected, I was like, wait a second. Yeah. Like who the fuck am I to be like posting this opinion to a large audience without actually experiencing this myself. And so that spurred me to then go to the protest. So on May 1st, um, I went to the protest and I was actually involved in the tear gassing incident on 676 where you know hundreds of protesters were sort of trapped and and um you know had to like flee and were climbing a 10-foot wall while you know being tear gassed and i went home that day turned on the news to hear you know the mayor kenny and police commissioner outlaw just completely lying about what happened and you know for the first time like i knew that authority lied but as a white male it never bothered me because it was always benefiting me, right? Yeah. And I didn't necessarily process that in real time as that has happened throughout my life. But it was the first time where I was in a situation where, you know, I saw authority lying and it, it negatively impacted me because I was there and I saw the truth. And so that led me down an extremely dramatic path into, you know, just understanding um, sort of the police state we live in and just why police need to be abolished and this this is entire yeah just an entire different path of knowledge and thought and you know that that simple message from shannon completely changed my life right. because it really opened my eyes to um yeah just a bunch of injustices that that we face and you know i'm still like 0.01 percent of the knowledge that I want to have and the opinions and the, and the, the, um, yeah, the, the stance I want to take on these things. But yeah, that's just a good example of someone coming to me with empathy and challenging me and me accepting that challenge. And as a result of that, I see the world in a completely different way now. That's good. That's, that's very eye opening, And that's awesome to shout out to Shannon. Seriously. Come on the pod. Oh, she definitely. Yeah. I'm, <laughs> an amazing guest people delphia do you still run the account while you're out on the west I, coast I'll, I'll post i'll randomly post things when i have a spurt of like creative energy or there's some type of topic that feels important to me i think that you know post that experience that i just talked about mm. i really took a step back and you know i felt yeah, I felt a little bit ashamed of like having this power of this platform and and not using it for the right way over the past, you know, 10 years. Not saying that, we, that it was all bad, but, you know, I've, I've done sponsored posts with real estate companies 
which, you know, are just completely gentrifying the city. Right. Uh, you know, I've, I've highlighted people who I've, you know, have found out or just not, do not have good intentions and are, and are harming, you know, different communities. So I just feel like after that moment, I took a step back and I, I just never really figured out what I wanted the plan to be. And, you know, the, the platform is still there. When I post, there's still a ton of engagement. Um, and I don't know what I want to do with it yet, but I just, I never jumped back into it in a, in a really intentional way because I really wanted to make sure that I was responsible, you know, with that platform. So, um, yeah, so it's still slightly active, but there really isn't a plan there. And um, I don't know what that plan will be. I'm surprised that with the sponsor posts that you've done with real estate agents, they haven't hooked you up with the house. That would have been nice. But then I would have felt guilty as well. <laughs> it's like, yeah, just, it's, yeah, just again, the, the, the path that I've been on over the past couple of years, I'm just like, I look back at some of those posts and I'm just a little bit embarrassed. But again, I think that's part of, I want to share that story because, you know, the reason I, reason I was okay with that and I, I didn't even understand like, you know, what gentrification really was is because I grew up with that privilege. I grew up mm -hmm. gentrifying and I never had someone call me out on it. And so um, I think talking about it and being open about those mistakes that I made and like reflecting on it is, is kind of helpful because hopefully other people in my position want to start to like have those conversations too. Speaking of calling out, I mean, I'm not going to call you out, but there was a time in Philly that didn't make any sense to me with the startup culture in Philly. When I lived in Kensington, Fishtown, Northern Liberties, I didn't understand the startup culture of it all. I, like I worked as a barista for so long, but I watched all of these like young creators come in and like do this, this thing that made them seem like they're bigger than they are. And it was just this period of time. I was just always wondering, like, okay, well, like, what are they doing? You know, what is it they're exactly doing? And I thought that I could do the same thing. But I was just watching this whole thing. Like, what are they typing up on their computers? Like, what are they actually coming up with? Dude, and... You should call me out because I was one of those people. <laughs> Absolutely. It was one of those people. Like, 100%. I thought that I was, like... I was drinking the Kool-Aid. Like, it's hard because, you know, the company that I built before Rory, like, there's a lot of good that came from it in terms of, like, community, right? Like, we went from three employees to 150 employees in four years. And seeing people have families, people buy homes, um, the friendships that were made, that was so special. But, like, in, in the moment, it's like, oh, we're, like, changing the world. And, like, in reality we were creating technology that helped brands advertise more effectively to consumers to keep them on their phone more and to get them to spend more of their money on shitty objects. <laughs> so that's what those people were doing, you know, but capitalism like puts us in this place where, you know, startups were sort of like romanticized and glorified as like innovative and, and, you know, cutting edge, um, and that's because all of these massive venture capitalists and media was just funding the hype cycle right. because it all ended up putting more money in their pockets. So, yeah, so I was definitely part of that. And it was all bullshit. And I think we're seeing that bubble pop a little bit. Um, but it's just interesting to reflect back on because like, 
yeah, I just laugh at that person that I was, but I'm also appreciative that I'm able to reflect on it um, and kind of the absurdity of it all. I love Philly and I tell everyone Philly till I die. I mean, I, I just came from homecoming, this coffee shop in Brooklyn that are my friends and my, the one of the braces there, she also grew up in Delco and we, we just knew, figured this out now, but I, I saw them all the time as my barista, but we never brought that up. They asked me how long I've been in New York and I told them, but I always tell them that I'm like more towards Philly. I always got my Philly roots, but the one thing that like holds me back is just that moment in time that basically when you guys came in with that, it kind of pushed me out to move to New York so I can like honestly grow here more because like New York, like Philly at the time wasn't really giving the love that I needed, you know, like I shared a studio with a really well-known like art director at that time. Like it was unbelievable, like how that happened, but we became friends and we now live in the same neighborhood here, but, and one of my studio mates is like my neighbor as well that shared the studio but I kind of got pushed out because Philly, there was just like no opportunities for me, you know? And I was like seeing all these other opportunities for other people. And I, I thought that was cool for them, but I was like, I, I don't know how, like I would re reach out to all my close friends at that time. And they, it was just like, people wanted like certain, like a certain image or a certain thing that they could do. And I was like, I can totally do that. I don't know why you guys aren't like picking me up, but whatever. So I like moved up here to New York and the opportunity is just, it's completely different. But now I have Philly clients and that's what bought, like, it doesn't bother me, but it like this per new perspective of how I have more Philly clients than New York clients well, at this time is it's just like a revolution. Like, it just makes me wonder, all right, I guess things are different now. And like, yeah, I go back to Philly. Things are definitely different. Now. <laughs> but it's all love. Oh, I just have to share that because it's, that was just a moment in time. Yeah, no, definitely. Definitely. <laughs> I, I love that when we, after we met up in Venice, we got on a phone call we text back and forth. I've gone on a phone call with you and we talk about like mental health and, and a lot more. And you, you really, really like you're into that mental health space. Do you ever think that like you'll ever pivot into some type of therapeutic, I don't know, space? I mean, that would be amazing. Like I would love to be able to find a career that, yeah, like helped people and it's just it's just so hard because as technology i think the faster that technology grows the more problems we're going to face and i think that we keep trying to build more technology to solve these problems but then it ends up causing more problems mm -hmm. so it's like i don't know if my skill set can be applied to like my skill set right now is like, you know, it I'm I'm very good at demanding attention. Like I'm very good at creating content and ideas that get people to stop and engage. 
Um, and, you know, and, and so I think part of it is, yeah, figuring out, okay, how can I use that skill to then drive people to, you know, whatever that is, if that's helping them stay off their phone more or, you know, like I, I have this idea of like, you know, I think, I think eventually there's going to, to be a backlash against technology and, and against the amount of time that we're spending on our phone. And I think that consumers are going to realize that and start to value and acknowledge brands that also value that. Right. right. So maybe a couple of years from now, you know, there's like the anti-marketing agency that it's like my entire agency is based on helping brands come up with campaigns that gets their customers to spend less time on their phones and to spend less money. As crazy as that sounds, um, you know, like Patagonia on Black Friday, every year they like shut down their website. Mm -hmm. It's sort of commentary on this, you know, made up holiday that's fueled by capitalism that gets people to spend, spend, spend. And, you know, part of their brand mission is to be sustainable. And um, so like maybe that's an agency that, you know, I start a few years from now that, you know, maybe the, it's only a few clients every year because it's it's a it works against the the bottom line that companies need to, you know, hit to 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 um, to please their investors. But, yeah, maybe there's maybe there's an agency and ideas that brands start to tap into to get their to get their customers off of their website for a day or for a week and to stay offline. Um, so, yeah, I don't know what that may be. And I also think that like a lot of the it's difficult because a lot of the art that I create and the art ideas that I have are, you know, I use technology to create it. I see. But it's really rooted in the idea of getting people to like be more present. So for mm -hmm. example, you know, I had this project sunset in 60, um, that I'm, I'm still figuring out when it's going to launch. But the idea is that I basically take, I frame up uh, my iPhone to a certain part of the sky and I take a photo every minute for 60 minutes. And so it's a collection of 60 photos that show the progression of the sunset. And it's 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 captured on a very clear evening. So they really look like 60 gradients. Um, like I, if I didn't tell you that this was a photo of the sky, you may not even know, you may think it's, you know, a painting. Um, but the whole point of that is like, it's to get people to realize that like, there's so much beauty that changes in front of you every minute, but we're so distracted by our phones that we look up and we go, Oh, look at that beautiful sunset. And we take a picture and then we share it to Instagram and then we text a friend and then we go on Twitter. When in reality, if you had your phone down every single minute, this sunset in front of you is changing and giving you a different, yeah, just something different to look at. And even the process of it, like the, the process of my, of creating this art, I think is really important too, because for me to sit there for an hour with my phone and having to remember every minute to take a picture and not open up Instagram and not open up a text message, like that in itself, as embarrassing as it is to admit, like that's hard. <laughs> like it is hard it to is. sit with my phone for an hour and not leave my camera app. So I like to think that my process challenges me and in, in thinking about how I use technology and my addiction to technology. And as a result, I hope the end, you know, the end creation also helps people reflect in how they use technology. So that sort of has been like simmering in my brain. And as you're thinking,
being, you know, as that going back to your question about like creating something in the mental health space, I think I can do that with my, with my artwork and, and kind of like use technology to show people that they shouldn't be using technology. If that makes sense. <laughs> I love that you call it your artwork too. So you, I'm guessing you consider yourself an artist. Like I always, I don't, I'm not, I don't get cringe when, you know, artists call themselves artists. Like it makes sense. Right. But like out there in the world, you know, when people go like, yeah, I'm an artist. Sometimes you're like, okay, that's cool. Like when, when you see people paint painting, you obviously clearly know that they're an artist. Right. But like artists as a whole, everyone it's like a gigantic umbrella, right? Influencers think they're artists. It's kind of weird. Um, oh, artists. And I think <laughs> that what has happened is like, and I, I keep in mind, like I don't know shit about art. Like I know nothing about art. Like I never took art history classes. I, you know, I, I don't know anything about art. So this is all just coming from my world and my context. And I feel like people who have studied art history and, you know, I don't know, they may find this offensive or, or dumb or immature, but yeah, I think we're all artists. Like we're all out here just creating different things. Anyone that creates something in my mind is an artist, right? So chefs, even influencers, although it's art that I may not like, the fact that this person is, you know, like taking the time to create something and share it and it's and it's forcing somebody to have a reaction, whether good or bad, to me, that's that's art. And so... I actually was hesitant for a while to call myself an artist. And um, because of this exact reason, like this perception of what an artist, you know, means and what it what it should be. And so I've actually gone out of my way to start calling myself an artist more often to start that conversation. One of my favorite thing now is like when I'm meeting new people or people ask me what I do, I love to just say that. Like I say, I'm an artist. <laughs> Reactions are always so interesting because they immediately expect that I have artwork like hanging in a museum or that right. artwork for thousands or tens of thousands of dollars. So I don't know. I kind of like the idea of disrupting the, the, I don't know, the conversation about what it means to be an artist, because I think if that's the case, people would be more willing to share unique ideas and not feel like they're going to be judged um, or uh, yeah, feel pressure to like, have to sell something and have a ton of followers and have a ton of validation to be, yeah, you know, to be considered an artist. That's interesting that it goes the other way. Whereas like when they think that you're an artist, you're rich. Whereas it used to be like, not back in the day, but like, you know, in school when you're studying art and you're trying to be an artist, you come out poor first. 100%. It's so interesting. Like now you look at like the most famous artists of our time are all very very at least from from what i understand and like keep in mind again that i have a certain context and a certain bubble but from my from my world you know when i think of what my peers and my community consider like successful artists it's you know the daniel arshams and um you know these these artists that are mixing art with, with commerce and not saying you know not saying that that's a bad thing or a good thing but that's yeah that's totally from my bubble like that's what success is and that's really interesting because yeah you think about hundreds of years ago um yeah those artists had no idea what their 
artwork would eventually be worth and it didn't matter to them what that worth was now like the tables have turned everyone wants to be some type of we don't have enough plumbers everyone wants to be like an artist or some type of social media star it's like selling out used to be used to be a thing and like now it's the opposite like now when a brand does a collaborate like now when an artist announces a brand collaboration it's like you know it it gives them credibility and validation um which is like interesting and kind of scary it's like capital you know like capitalism has like commodified our artists right and they they've sort of like i don't know yeah it's, it's it's just a weird it's a weird situation and i feel i feel bad for i feel for artists who you know, don't know how to use social media. And like, I wonder what they feel every day, knowing that they're pouring their like blood, sweat, tears into their art. And they don't have like the channels or platforms or connection for that art to be seen by the world. And I wonder how that makes them feel like I'm I'm privileged to a point where I don't, I don't need to rely on art for my income. Um, so I don't feel that same struggle that you know, I would, I would consider other artists feel. So that's also partially why I, I go back and forth on the term artist because there are people who, you know, art is their life and they, they're a different type of artist to me and they deserve a little bit more credit or no, much more credit um, because they're creating, you know, to survive, which like I don't have to do. Selling out, it's, that is, we've, we're in a whole new world now where everyone is it's like it feels like selling out that term is gone though is like very outdated it definitely. doesn't exist definitely it doesn't exist at all it doesn't uh, exist at all yeah it's like now it's just brand collaborations and same with selling out corny corny's like it feels like corny's gone yeah yeah, that's true. Oh, now Travis Scott is creating Happy Meals. Um, <laughs> and I don't know what else. It's, yeah, it's wild. I I don't know what what anything is next. Like, I don't... I, I mean, that's not true. I A lot of people that come on the show or, like, if I talk to people out and I talk about, like different quote-unquote so-called trends right this is just like what i see and how like things are going but honestly i you know the the cringe of it all doesn't even mean anything anymore like everyone is just like you know just they're going with the term like embrace the cringe or like lean in right and so i don't know sometimes i'm like all right what's next (laughs) Yeah, and it's almost like backtrack because I'm like also, you know, for artists, you know, they're they're in this machine where they need these collaborations in order to pay their bills. Like we've right. created a an economy and a society where it's very hard for artists to to live and pay their bills while creating their art. So in a way, it's like, I don't blame them. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not, I'm not, I don't blame artists for seeking these collaborations and for like working with brands because it's almost like we've created a society where they have to in order to, you know, exist and in order to 
be able to make their work. So I think it's honestly, it's a bigger reflection on like the society that we now live in as opposed to like artists being like corny or like, you know, selling out. It's sort of like they have to, otherwise like the minimum wage that we now have, you know, doesn't, doesn't enable artists to just create, like they need to find alternative ways to make money. So, you know, and again, this is just me thinking and I get, I get nervous when I'm having these types of conversations because it's just me thinking about what's in my brain and I don't, you know, this is now going to be permanently in the ether, which makes me, you know, so I hope that like, yeah, this is all just me just spewing stuff from my brain, um, you know, out of, with my context. So it's just kind of like, I don't know. Yeah. It's interesting. It's a, it's an interesting conversation. I think about that all the time with, you know, I have this podcast and when you you brought up that when people ask you what you do and you say that you're an artist, I've now switched it up as well. And when new people ask me like what I do, I like to like throw a curveball and be like, I'm a podcaster. And then they like look at me as like the Asian Joe Rogan out of nowhere. And I'm like, bro. Oh, the Asian <laughs> Joe Rogan. Now, you need to change your username to that. And like that just <laughs> the whole podcast thing. <laughs> Yeah, it's like you just start smoking cigars and <laughs> I'll be your like I forget the guy's name that works with Joe Rogan, but always brings up like you know the 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 misinformation articles on the podcast. I'll be that, <laughs> be that for you, Rashad. I'll be that guy. I would love that. See, we don't know what the future holds, but it seems like we're talking. Yeah. Hats off to you and everything that you do for some Jasar Wear Many Hats solutions. So me and Said have talked about a billboard. You've got you two have worked together on creating art before. You you're known for like the trash cans in in Philly. That's always going to be like every time someone brings that up, it's either Philadelphia or like the trash can art, which has been amazing. It's legendary. Would you do some type of collaboration with Disarm, Self-Aware, Ian Shiver will shoot it, Billboard yes. collaboration, and we'll just like take up all of like I-95? <laughs> Let's do it. Let's do it. I have a, um, I've been, yeah, so started with, <laughs> I love it. I'm going to put like known for trash cans on my, uh, on my tombstone. That's awesome. We started with trash cans. We then did, we then did a takeover of Locust Street Station, where we did all of the, um, the advertising space. So I think billboards or buses, that's like the next evolution of that concept. So yeah, I'm absolutely. Um, I think COVID sort of stopped that because we were doing it once per year, and COVID sort of you know stopped that and just haven't picked it back up. So yeah, I would love to. I would love to go go the next level up for sure let's do it if you were to get a chest tattoo quote what would it be oh man i forgot that this was about a quote i thought it was just a chest tattoo and i was going to say my dog's face <laughs> so now that it's a quote i really know because i also really want a tattoo and i want a quote but i don't know what quote i want so um hmm i don't know man i really don't know i'm in my twitter bio i have the sentence i still don't know what i want to be when i grow up 
which is just like a fun sentence that kind of reminds me to just keep learning and to just feel, yeah, feel like young and curious. So let's just go with that. That was perfect. Yeah, because we still don't know. Yeah, and I hope that I never know. Like, I, I hope that I'm constantly at a place where I'm like still searching for, yeah, who I want to be and what I want to do. Um, because like, there's just so many, yeah, there's so many like personas I can take on throughout my life. And, um, yeah, it's exciting to think to like constantly refresh that. So yeah, we'll see. It changes every time. Yeah. Plug your socials. Where can people find you? On Instagram, uh, Brendan Lowry and on Twitter, Brelo. Well, there you have it. Thank you so much, Brendan, for coming on Wear Many Hats. It was great to have you. MySpace, Sex in C Minor, which is absolutely hilarious because I was like a middle schooler listening to like emo music. <laughs> that was uh, a song title from some like niche emo band. So yeah, MySpace, Sex in C Minor. It's cool to see that like people still talk about MySpace. It may come back. It may come back. You might bring it back. Yeah, we got to find Tom. <laughs> Till next time, this is Wear Many Hats presented by Jassar, and I'm Rashad. Peace. Peace.